Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to Redeemed Through His Blood. In this podcast, we discuss hope, healing, and redemption through the atonement of Jesus Christ. My name's Scott Durfee. I want to be the first to welcome you out this morning. And as always, it's my honor to welcome my partner in this project, my uncle, our amazing teacher, and all of our friend, Brother David Durfee. Say hi, Dave. Hey, Scott. Uh, You know, coming over here today... We're doing this a little earlier than we normally do it, and I've been retired for a few years, and <laughs> and I get on the freeway, and I think, oh my goodness, I, uh, in some ways I miss it, in some ways I don't, but I think, wow, I forgot what it's like to get on the freeway at 8.30 in the morning. You know, usually I don't, I stay home and enjoy life until about 10 a.m., and 10 a.m., I'll go do something else, and I'll take back roads to do it. And But to get on the freeway, I had to get on the freeway to get over here. And I thought, wow, this is such a rat race. Unbelievable, isn't it? And, and you know, in some ways, I miss it. Yeah. Yeah, in, I can In some see weird that. ways. I can see that. I kind of, I kind of miss the, the thrill of it, but I also don't miss it. You know, the, yeah. the hassle and the feeling and the the jockeying for position and you know, as these cars are going back and forth between anyway, <laughs> I, it kind of renewed some good and bad, bad memories for me. Well, I, but it's uh, good to be here and I got here safely. Yeah, you did. And I'm glad you're here and I'm glad that you, you, you seem unscathed at least uh, in terms of your <laughs> attitude and you seem happy and ready to roll this morning. It's good We've, to be with you. Yeah, it's good to have you too. It's good to be with you. We've had a fun conversation this morning talking about a lot of really important things and uh, some things that are just fun to talk about, too. That's one of the great things of doing this with uh, somebody who's kind of been like my older brother all my life. It's really cool to do that. Hey, uh, before we get into uh, our topic today, uh, as we always do, I just want to take care of a couple of things. First off, thank you very much for your emails. We've received quite a few emails. Uh, we're going to try and incorporate a question or two from from some of those uh, today. Uh, many of them have just been experiences and insights that you've had that you would just like to share with us, and we encourage you to continue to do that. You can send us emails at uh, this email address. It's, it is heredeemsus at gmail.com. I was telling Scott earlier today about uh, being set apart again just recently as a patriarch and uh, how it kind of changes your approach to life, how it changes your perspective, how it changes your efforts, your discipleship. And it's a little sad to me, actually, Scott, that I have to be a set, set apart as a patriarch for that to happen at least that's true for me, I hope that I can someday live that kind of a life without being anybody or without any office or without any calling in the church. And it should be that way, I think. I think you don't need a high calling in this church. I don't, I, that's not, that's not pleasing, I, I don't think, to the, to the, the save, to our Savior, is that, that uh, I know callings change us. I know callings can can up our game and raise our level of discipleship. And I've experienced that. I think many of our listeners have experienced that for sure. But I wish it wasn't that way for me, and I don't think it has to be that way for any of us. But being set apart again as a, as a patriarch and knowing the responsibility that comes with receiving revelation for individuals who you've never before met, who you don't know anything about, and to be able to try to tell them something about their past, pre-mortal past, and to try to say something about their mortality and, and how they are related to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob by revelation to identify their lineage and which tribe of Israel they come from, and then to try to say something about how God sees them and and their future and to be able to give them some guidance and counsel and blessings in their life uh it's it's uh, really daunting is uh I don't know you can't describe it but 
It changes how I how I see things. It changes how I how I have to live. I told the general authority this past Sunday as I was set apart that you know I I have to give up certain things in my life. Simple small things in my life, small things that make a great difference in my life that I identified 11 or 12 years ago when I was first set apart as a patriarch and ordained. And now again, as I'm set apart to be activated as a stake patriarch, it changes what I listen to. I, I told, I can't really listen to just sports radio anytime I want. I can't watch commercials. I can't uh, do some, I, I have to be careful what I listen to. I can't, uh, cable news is so contentious that I can't really watch that because of the contention that it raises. And, and I just have to avoid anything that has anything inappropriate or contentious in it. And I, I'm thankful to be able to it, it says nothing about me as a person, really. It, but I'm thankful and grateful that I have been given this opportunity and responsibility, um, heavy responsibility, really. Uh, being it's, it's a burden. And I know the Savior helps me carry it when he says, you know, my burden is light. I think, wow, his burden is light. Think of the burden the Savior had. Right. But he says it's light. And it is a burden, and it does become light as we as we trust in Him and we rely on Him. Uh, but I've I'm learning, uh, relearning again, how to walk by the Spirit, how to live by the Spirit, how to live and see things differently by the Spirit. And I'm grateful for the chance we have today to talk about how to identify and recognize the Spirit in our life, how to receive it in our life, uh, how to um, respond to it, and how to retain a remission of sins by receiving the Holy Ghost in our life, how to receive and retain a remission of sins. So I hope that's kind of where we're going today. Yeah, it is. You know, <clears throat> while I'm sitting here listening to you talk about that, I'm, I'm amazed because I know you, uh, and others who do know you will be also amazed that, uh, you know, the comments that you make about discipleship and consecration and all that, because, you know, here, here, here we are, we're learning the atonement of Jesus Christ. And Dave, you've influenced countless numbers, probably countless people uh, in your institute and seminary classes and 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 in many 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 other ways, your influence through that book, uh, and so forth. So you know you you've had that, but and I hear you talk about you're applying the atonement of Jesus Christ in your approach on what you're doing now. You know, so often, and I think so many of our listeners tune in and think I need to apply the the atonement of Jesus Christ because of this terrible thing that's happened in my life, either to me or that because of something I've done. And that's true. We do need that for those types of things. But it is so infinite and so overreaching and overarching everything in our lives that even through our discipleship, we become deeper disciples and more consecrated also through the atonement of Jesus Christ, Dave. I have really enjoyed this past week studying um, President Nelson's talk on uh, overcoming the world through, uh, let's see, I have it right here, overcoming the world and finding rest. Right. I, I just have really thrilled in that talk. It's helped me in my preparation to begin to give patriarchal blessings again and I, I've, I'm reading it with kind of a different set of eyes, and I'm outlining it, and I'm seeing the doctrine and the promises and the principles that he teaches us in that in that great talk, and the invitations that he gives us, Scott. And I I just thrill at the um, blessings of the gospel of Jesus Christ and how we really can obtain rest. It, it does take work. It does take extreme effort uh, it, in repenting and trying to live the gospel to be able to overcome the world. But we can overcome the world. We've been commanded 
by Jesus Christ in the Doctrine and Covenants. He refers to the Scripture in the Doctrine and Covenants, uh, section 64. I will that ye should overcome the world. That's what I say unto one, I say unto all, the Savior tells us in the Doctrine and Covenants. And he's commanding all of us in the church that my will is that you should overcome the world. I, I know that we can all do better in that, Scott, in overcoming the world. I, I become so uh, kind of super sensitized by all of the distractions of the world since my, again, recent setting apart to be activated as a patriarch. And there are just so many distractions and distortions that keep us from really feeling, qualifying for, and receiving, recognizing, and responding, retaining the Holy Ghost in our life. And we all face those distractions and distortions regardless of where we are along the spiritual path, right? I, I know that uh, in the beginning, as, uh, as I'm working with a few new folks in our addiction recovery program, Anonymous, but common and well-known, uh, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm experiencing the same stuff and noticing that they're feeling many of these same, you know, things in terms of, you know, where we are in, I'm having a difficult time, I think, articulating this, but what I mean by this is, you know, depending on where we are on that spiritual path, whether we're just embarked on it or whether we're way down that path and have had a lot of spiritual experiences and accountability and stewardships put on us because of our discipleship, it doesn't matter where we are. Our dependency on the atonement of Jesus Christ is equal for those just beginning as it is for those who are way down that path and living a much higher and holier law already. And, And there are dispersions and differences between people all along that path. It's interesting to me, though, Dave, how the redemption applies as equally to, say, me or somebody very beginning on that spiritual path as opposed to, not as opposed to, but in comparison to even a President Nelson. The redemption is just as important for me or them as it is for him, or it's just as important for him as it is for them. And I love that because of the perfect love the Savior has for each of us, he has provided for each of us, regardless of where we stand, an opportunity to be enlightened, to become closer to him, to have a deeper fulfillment of our spiritual desires, uh, and so forth, all because of his atonement and all because we've already been redeemed. A- amen to all that. Amen to all of that, Scott. In fact, in, in President Nelson's talk and on overcoming the world, um, I like to, when I study conference talks, I like to go through it and really write it. I, I I do better when I, well, I, I listen to them every night before I go to bed. I, I try to choose, and I circulate, and I go through and recycle. But I, I try to listen to the first presidency and their talks first, and I've been doing this now for a few weeks since conference, right? And, uh, or almost a month now. And um, I, I listen to the first presidency, and then I go in order of the 12, and I'll listen to their talks at night as I lay down to sleep. It's just kind of a great way for me to relax and focus on this. It makes, I think, my dreams a little sweeter, Scott. And I love listening to the, to the voice of prophets. I think their voice is powerful and the voice is important. But I personally, I think, get more personal revelation out of studying the word in print. And so I'll print their talks and uh, I'm working on that now, and I've I've started with President Nelson, printed his talk this week, and I love to identify the doctrine, principles, invitations, and especially promises. I'll also identify testimony. I'll identify questions. I'll circle question marks. I'll circle exclamation marks. When a prophet puts an exclamation mark in a sentence, that gets my attention. I will also identify all the italicized words, and I will write in the margin this, all of the scripture references 
that they refer to, often in the footnotes, but I want them in the margin so that as I study them. And in the right side of the paper, I will write down personal revelation, promptings, inspiration that I receive as I study these talks. So maybe just, I, I guess I'm sharing that just as one idea, one way that we can make the most out of the teachings and the prophetic words of prophets, seers, and revelators, and how to make the most out of the the conference report. So listening to President Nelson and then studying his talk, I, I picked up on a few things that really relate to our podcast. And uh, I, I want to, this is, I think, my favorite promise. I've, I've put a box around this in his talk. In, in about the middle of his talk, really, he says, Dear brothers and sisters, this is President Russell M. Nelson, my message to you today is that because Jesus Christ overcame this fallen world and because he atoned for each of us, each of us, you too can overcome this sin-saturated, self-centered, and often exhausting world. (laughs) I love that promise, a promise of a prophet. Uh, This world really is exhausting, Scott. It really is, and I know that we can obtain rest as we... It takes great work and effort to really focus on Jesus Christ and to center our life on him and not center it on ourselves and to uh, be able to repent through his atoning sacrifice. And then just one more paragraph. He says, President Nelson, in the very next paragraph, because the Savior, through his infinite atonement, redeemed each of us, redeemed each of us, Scott. Now, I believe that's past, present, and future. We are redeemed. We have been redeemed. We were redeemed, and we will be redeemed. Uh, I think so many in the church see redemption as something of a future event. Yeah, kind of like a goal, right? Yeah, well, Jesus redeemed us through immortality and eternal life. Yeah. there is so much more to the plan of redemption and the redemption of Jesus Christ and his atonement than that. He redeemed us in the pre-mortal existence. It was through uh, uh, Jesus Christ that we overcame the dragon and Satan. We learned that in Revelation. We've read that before, Revelation 12, 9 through 11. We, it's through Christ we overcame Satan in the pre-mortal existence. It's through Christ that we were born innocent in the first uh, eight years or until we reach the age of accountability, uh, whatever that is for individuals, and it may be different for individuals depending on their mental, emotional capacities. Uh, we've been redeemed, and we are redeemed as we are striving to follow Jesus Christ and to, and to be disciples of Jesus Christ and and come unto him and turn to him, uh, focus on him, uh, remember him. Uh, we, we are redeemed, and we will be redeemed throughout the rest of our life and, and after we die because of the resurrection and when we eventually obtain eternal life. Re- redemption is past, present, and future. So again, President Nelson says, because the Savior, through his infinite atonement, redeemed each of us from weakness, mistakes, and sin, and because he experienced every, get this doctrine, because he experienced every pain, worry, and burden you have ever had or will ever have, then as you truly repent and seek his help, you can rise above this present precarious world. What a promise of a prophet and also teaching the doctrine that anything that we ever suffer, every negative, every negative as a result of the fall and living as a mortal in a fallen world, Jesus suffered it 
Because of that, Scott, we have been redeemed, we are redeemed, we will be redeemed through the blood and the atonement of Jesus Christ. And that doctrine should give each of us such relief. I mean, to know that I'm redeemed now, right? I, I, there's there's a lot of things in each of our lives, and it's and I can safely, I think, say this because we're all human, and part of the human condition requires us to go through things that are going to require redemption from. And, and those things can be physical. Those things can be attitudes. Those things can be experiences. Those things can be sin. Those things can be things that have been sinned against us or perpetuated against us through abuse or could be stuff that we've perpetuated. But all of that has already been redeemed. And so as that redemption has taken place, and now as we've talked about in past episodes, how to uh, know that that that's taken place, how to recognize, how to retain, uh, and how to receive that coming, you know, into our lives. I think now we move into even a deeper discussion on those types of things, Dave. Uh, you know, do we do we talk more now about how do we recognize it, how to retain that? Uh, you know, we notice that sometimes that, that redemption, and because of that, and as part of that redemption, we do receive forgiveness of our sins. And we and we receive a um, a change. Excuse me. We receive a change in our lives that uh, the, the sins have affected uh, been uh, affected against us. Also, uh, things in our lives that come about because of the fall of Adam and Eve, because of the fall of us all. That those things happen to us physically. The physical death we experience things that happen to us. The spiritual death we experience things that happen to us. So, how do we move? more into those types of things well one of my favorite chapters um, in elder anderson's book the divine gift of forgiveness uh, is chapter 23 and chapter 23 is such an important chapter and i uh, again i'm grateful for that experience i had to work with elder anderson for some 18 months on the development of this and and this chapter was was really precious and is precious and um it talks it's entitled the holy ghost a messenger of forgiveness elder anderson did a wonderful job capturing some of the things we discussed and has has written a beautiful chapter here i uh, i'm so thankful for what he said about the holy ghost and how we can receive forgiveness through the Holy Ghost, really the sanctifier in the Godhead. The Holy Ghost is the comforter and sanctifier. And uh, he, he says a couple things that I want. In fact, Scott, I, I was grateful that he again, in his conference talk, this past conference, uh, quoted President Nelson again, and it's in this chapter, where President Nelson, so this is Elder Anderson, a prophet, quoting President Nelson, the prophet, when he said, In coming days, it will not be possible to survive spiritually without the guiding, directing, comforting, and constant influence, constant influence, Scott, of the Holy Ghost. Wow, what a, what a prophecy, really. That's that's a prophecy that in coming days it will not be possible to survive spiritually without the guiding, directing, comforting, and constant influence of the Holy Ghost. And so we, we need to talk about that because all of us need to walk by the Holy Ghost, as Paul gives us that injunction in the New Testament, and we need to live by the Holy Ghost. And Elder Anderson in that point says, that, be, that believe in the Holy Ghost as surely as you believe in the Father and the Son. We, uh, we need to have faith. I, I referenced this, I think, our last podcast, is the, the first question of the Temple Recommend interview, is do you have faith in God the Father and His Son Jesus Christ and in the Holy Ghost? I don't think we talk enough about having faith in the Holy Ghost. No, I don't think many of us even really consider that. <laughs> we understand faith in Jesus Christ sure. and his redemption yeah, and his atonement. About, we talk about that all the time. We understand faith in God as our heavenly father and as his sons and daughters. And, yeah. 
okay, have we ever really talked about what it means to have faith in the Holy Ghost? Yeah. Yeah, I think that is something that not many of us really pay much time with, considering that. Uh, but you know, I I think it can make all, I think it can make all the difference in the world to us. So, so let's let's maybe talk a little bit about that and about how we can receive Him uh, when we are baptized and we're confirmed members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter Day Saints. We are commanded by these words in that confirmation and blessing, receive the Holy Ghost. Wow. I don't think any eight-year-old really understands what's, no. yeah. what's going on when they receive that when they're baptized, or maybe even converts right. may not yeah. really understand or appreciate that. But what a command, receive the Holy Ghost. Yeah, a command and an invitation. So let's talk about... What does it take to receive the Holy Ghost? Right. Then let's talk about how we can recognize the Holy Ghost. Let's let's take those two okay. for right now. All right. And what what that means? Over and over again, we talk we in the scriptures. It talks about receiving, how to receive. I think that means at the basic level that we can't earn it. To receive something, it must be offered as a gift. It must be offered as a gift. You can't go out and earn it. You can't manipulate it. You can't, you can't go out and just uh, obtain it. You must receive it. You must qualify for it, and it comes to us a, as a gift. So, th- number one, that has to be our approach to receive it, is to recognize that it's a gift, the gift of the Holy Ghost. It really is a gift that we receive uh, and it must be received by how we choose, what we choose, the decisions and choices that we make in our life, and how to uh, live a life that qualifies us to receive the gift. So as, as we consider that, again, my recent experience, I think, is being set apart again as a patriarch has brought to my attention an experience that I had, which I shared several episodes ago, like 20 episodes ago. I can't believe we've done that many, yeah, that many episodes. Right. But uh, some 20-something episodes ago, I shared the experience when I was first uh, ordained and set apart as a patriarch and how I was uh, filled with fear, Scott, and, and how I was... Um, attacked really i i don't want to sensationalize that but that's how i came to see it is that i was attacked by satan and how satan attacked me with all kinds of um, inappropriate thoughts and inappropriate emotions which really drove the spirit from my life and so instead of living by the spirit walking by the spirit receiving the spirit i had i had lost the spirit this was just shortly after having been ordained and set apart as a patriarch. And my wife called me out on it one day. And she said, David, why are you, why are you so ornery? I mean, I was out of sorts. I was not, I was not happy. I was trying hard. I was, I was even reading the scriptures and, and doing things, Scott, that I felt I should be doing. But I wasn't feeling the spirit. And um, I was really struggling and wrestling with the world and and my weaknesses and my mortal propensities which we all struggle with and uh, i finally told my sweetheart i i gotta go get away and i i left and i didn't know if i was going to be gone for a day or two or i just i just had to i just had to get away from it and i i went out i drove got in the car and drove away and drove around i ended up in some parking lot and and uh, weeping and praying, and I felt this impression uh, that my problem was that I was afraid, and I turned to a scripture and was led to this scripture, and and um, this scripture has really, I think, uh, and there are many scriptures. We talked about, I think, Alma chapter 5 and the importance of reviewing that uh, chapter from time to time to see where we kind of 
where we are spiritually speaking. And it's a great chapter to kind of see what we need to do to qualify for the Spirit and influence of the Holy Ghost. But I was led to um, section uh, 30 of the Doctrine and Covenants, verses 1 through 3. Now, as I, as I read this, my name is David, of course, and this is a revelation given to David Whitmer. And uh, so it really got my attention when I read it. I was, uh, I was sat in my car in a parking lot somewhere, and um, it says, Behold, I say unto you, David, that you have feared man and have not relied on me for strength as you ought. Mm, I just, I knew he was talking to me as I read that. This was a revelation to me personally. But your mind has been on the things of the earth more than on the things of me, your maker, and the ministry whereunto you have been called. We've all been called. And you have not given heed unto my spirit and to those who were set over you, but have been persuaded by those whom I have not commanded. And I can think about all the individuals and things in my life that have distracted me in the world. Verse 3, Wherefore you are left to inquire for yourself at my hand and ponder upon the things which you have received. Wow. So I sat there and I, I did inquire and I did ponder and many things came into my mind about things that I needed to eliminate from my life and things that I needed to do in my life. And the one thing I needed to learn to do in my life was how to control my emotions. And I, I, really, I really know, Scott, I, I don't want to... I don't want this to come across as being overbearing or, or I don't know. I don't know how to put this. I don't know what our listeners think or feel, and they're all on different levels. But I, I just want to, again, bear witness that we have to not only be concerned about where we are spiritually, but we have to pay more attention to how we're doing emotionally because there is this connection between our spiritual well-being and our emotional well-being. And if we have not learned, and I know that we don't have perfect control over this, and I know there's some emotional states and some e- emotional challenges that individuals don't have control over and need to seek professional help or other means to, 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 try, to, to try to gain control over it. But there is this connection. And I learned by searching the scriptures primarily and the words of the prophets, that I was responsible for my emotional state and that my emotional state would affect my, my ability to receive the spirit and my spiritual state. And interesting that in President Nelson's talk, again, that he just gave on overcoming the world, listen to this paragraph in Promise. He says, you can overcome the spiritually and emotionally. Notice how he puts those two together. That's not by, that's not by coincidence or mistake, because the prophets have learned this, the connection between our spiritual state and our emotional state. So let me start over. You can overcome the spiritually and emotionally exhausting plagues of the world, including, here's a list, Scott, of, of emotional plagues of the world and that we all suffer in our lives from time to time, uh, including arrogance. That's, that's an emotional state of self-righteousness. Uh, pride, anger, immorality, which is an emotional state of lust, Hatred, greed, always wanting more and more and more and more, always wanting to compare ourselves, always wanting to be somebody else. That's an emotional state. Jealousy and fear. Yeah. Oh, man. 
that's such a big one for me, Scott, yeah, is, me too. is fear. And it, I have found that fear and pride and anger are all, and insecurities are all uh, connected. In fact, all these inappropriate emotional plagues, which President Nelson calls them, uh, can really keep us from receiving the Holy Ghost uh, in our lives. And then he ends that paragraph by saying, Despite the distractions and distortions that swirl around us, you can find true rest, meaning relief and peace, even amid your vexing problems. I've always thought, when it comes to recognizing the Holy Ghost, there's one emotion that Satan cannot counterfeit, and that's the emotion of peace. I know peace. I know when I am emotionally at peace and i know when i am i am feeling the holy ghost and when i am feeling the holy ghost i know i am uh, receiving him and i know that the atonement of jesus christ is working in my life and that i'm being forgiven of my sins or i am retaining a forgiveness of my sins uh, so it's it, it's all connected scott our lives we can never compartmentalize our lives. We must understand that our spiritual well-being and receiving the Holy Ghost is connected to our emotional well-being. I would even say it's connected to our physical well-being. It's connected to our mental well-being, our social well-being. All, all, of, all of our life, Scott, must be examined and we must understand the role that each part of our life plays in receiving and keeping the command to receive the Holy Ghost. I, I, it's, I, invite, I invite all our listeners to examine their lives, as Paul invites us to do, to examine their lives and to, to see, as Elder Bednar has invited us to do, to see what we need to stop doing or what we need to start doing to receive the Holy Ghost in our life. Back um, episode 21, so several weeks ago, a couple months ago, um, actually we did a complete pot or an entire podcast on uh, the emotions of fear and pride and how that can affect us, how that can, how that can stop us from feeling the effects of the atonement in our lives. You know, and, and that's really what we're talking about, David, as you're, as you're reading this wonderful talk that uh, President Nelson gave just recently um, in conference. You know, as we're reading that, and you go through there, and where it talks about, um, I lost it, you can overcome the spiritual and emotional exhausting plagues. He calls them plagues. You just read this, plagues of the world. You know, when we think of plagues, I think back uh, biblical, you know, back in the days of uh, Moses, you know, those were plagues. Yeah. And, and we have plagues that are very just as serious and in some ways maybe arguably even more serious. And he lists those, and, and I'm just going to read them again, including arrogance, pride, anger, immorality, hatred, greed, jealousy, and fear. And, and I'm sure it could go on and on in any extension of any of those. Well, we talked in episode 21 about fear and anger and how really they're the primary emotions and all these other things really fall, fall under that. You just made a comment, though that I think is so powerful and so beneficial and one in which that we one that one which we all need to grasp a hold of a deep understanding of this because this is the answer you know how do we know that we have received forgiveness how do we retain that forgiveness how do we recognize all those things well in a word peace you know you said it uh, and and it's a doctrine that satan cannot he cannot duplicate or replicate that feeling in us, and it's peace. And so anytime that we're feeling peace, when we're feeling Heavenly Father's peace, when we're feeling the Spirit, we know that that peace is coming from the Spirit, and we also know that the atonement is then working in our lives because it's being administered to us. You, we talked about having faith in the Holy Ghost. That's where that's going to come from. That peace that we feel will come through the administration of the Holy Ghost, administering the atonement of Jesus Christ in our lives, and that's how we feel that. That's how we come by it. 
And I think that's what President Nelson's referring to when he talks about receiving rest. Uh, the rest of the world, how to rest from the world, is is to have that uh, that feeling of of peace. I've always loved the uh, revelation given through the prophet Joseph Smith to Oliver Cowdery, his newly acquired scribe. This was given just a few days in April 1829 after Oliver Cowdery had had, had made the journey, the just over 100 mile journey from. Palmyra down to Harmony, Pennsylvania, now called Oakland, uh, Pennsylvania, to uh, help the to to learn for himself. If Joseph Smith was a prophet, he had heard about all the all the rumors in Palmyra, and he'd stayed for, uh, a little bit with the Smith family. And Oliver Cowdery was a school teacher, and and uh, he he was interested in truth, and he wanted to find out for himself. And he prayed the night before he made that journey to. Harmony. He knelt down and prayed, God-fearing man, and he had a witness. He felt peace, and he knew that Joseph Smith was a prophet even before he made the journey down there to to, to meet him for the first time. And he goes down, and he shared that, by the way, in a detailed letter to David Whitmer, his friend. Oh yeah, David Whitmer was a good friend of his, and he, David Whitmer, had kind of told him about Joseph Smith a little bit about what was going on around Palmyra. And, uh, and Oliver Cowdery says, well, I'm going to go meet him and I'll let you know what I find out. And so he, he, he offers that prayer, receives peace as an answer, goes down to meet Joseph Smith. After being there for just a couple of days, he inquires if, uh, if Joseph Smith would, uh, let him, uh, receive a, or, or, uh, Oliver Cowdery, uh, requests Joseph Smith to uh, pray and to find out the will of God for Oliver. And Joseph Smith does so and receives this revelation in Doctrine and Covenants section 6. And this is so, I think, enlightening and applicable for all of us. And Joseph Smith says this in in what he, he, uh, the revelation he receives, starting with verse 14. Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Oliver, Blessed art thou for what thou hast done, for thou hast inquired of me, and behold, as often as thou hast inquired, thou hast received instruction of my spirit. Now, I don't know if Oliver always recognized that instruction of his spirit, but I think this is interesting. As often as you've inquired, I wonder if that's true for you and me and others, Scott, that as often as we inquire, we should have, could have, would have received instruction of his spirit if we would have recognized it in our life. He goes on, If it had not been so, thou wouldst not have come to the place where thou art at this time, to Harmony, Pennsylvania. Behold, thou knowest that thou hast inquired of me, and I did enlighten thy mind, one way to recognize the spirit, and now I tell thee these things that thou mayest know that thou hast been enlightened by the spirit of truth. Yea, I tell thee that thou mayest know that there is none else save God that knowest the thoughts and the intents of, of thy heart. Then listen to verse 23. Uh, well, I better read 22. Verily I say unto you, if you desire a further witness meaning a further witness than I gave you the night before you came down here. Cast your mind upon the night that you cried unto me in your heart that you might know concerning the truth of these things. Verse 23. Did I not speak peace to your mind concerning the matter? What greater witness can you have than from God? End of quote. Now, Scott, the way I read that and paraphrase that, the Lord is saying by revelation through Joseph Smith, a prophet, to Oliver Cowdery, what greater witness can you have from the Holy Spirit than peace? When we feel peace, we know that we're not only feeling the Holy Ghost, but the atonement of Jesus Christ is working in our life, and we're being forgiven 
of our sins. We're being sanctified, justified, that we're being redeemed as we have been redeemed and as we will be redeemed. And it sounds like when he says, and what greater witness can you have than from God? He's talking about peace. And so the greatest. That's that's the the witness. And so the greatest witness, according to the scripture, the greatest witness from God through the Holy Ghost is peace. It's the only emotion that, again, Satan can't counterfeit. Maybe he can't counterfeit joy. True, true joy, Scott. True joy, I think, if you, if, if our listeners and if we individually can identify the difference between joy and exhilaration and and happiness even yeah. and true deep serious spiritual joy is is also i know a, a, a emotion that saint can't counterfeit yeah and sometimes that's harder for me to discern well i don't know if it's harder for me to discern but but i know when i feel peace yeah and when I feel peace, I immediately, I think about uh, receiving the Holy Ghost right. and and receiving redemption and the atonement of Jesus yeah. Christ in my life. I have an experience with peace. On uh, October 26, 1998, it was a rainy night. It was uh, dark at 8 p.m., darkish. It was dark at 8 p.m., and I was at the end of my rope. I had had it. Uh, I was done. Uh, I needed a big change. I didn't know how that was going to happen. I had received some direction from a loving stake president to go to um, a, an addiction recovery uh, meeting, and, and I did. Uh, and, and that night, Dave, when I walked in, and I'll never forget this, when I walked and I've had other experiences. I've had them in the church, too. But this one was a, a really a life-changing experience for me. As I walked in there that night, it was my first meeting, and it was an Alcoholics Anonymous meeting. I'll just say it. And so when I went in there and I sat down, there, there was at the front of the room uh, a facilitator uh, and a, co- a chairperson and a co-chairperson. Behind them were the steps and the traditions written on the wall. And there was a lot of things being said and a lot of laughter and a lot of th- and, I, and a lot of confusion going on inside of me. But what I did notice, and I don't remember one thing that was said that night, but I will never forget the peace that I felt inside of me that night. And, and that was that peace was the spirit of Heavenly Father. That was the Holy Ghost confirming to me in retrospect, and I knew it then too. But even it, it, but I know it deeper in retrospect as I look back on that, that was the Holy Ghost confirming to me, Scott, this is the beginning of your new path. This is where we will be able to reembark and bring everything mm. back together for you. But it was through, and it was only through, not the words I heard, not the inspiration mm. I received, but the peace I felt that night. And I have felt it since many, 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 many times, but I will never forget the depth of that well, peace that sweet, night. That's Scott. Yeah. That's really sweet. Thank you for sharing that. Um, so to receive that peace and to receive the Holy Ghost, I, I just want to maybe identify and, and share with our listeners some ways that we can receive that. We need to maybe, number one, identify our fears and other negative emotions and learn to replace them with faith and love. I have learned that you cannot, as we discussed in the earlier podcast you referenced, you cannot stop negative emotions from coming into your life. It's part of living in a fallen world and being mortal. You have to learn how to replace them, how to to choose to not be acted upon, but how to choose to act through the atonement of Jesus Christ and by praying with all energy of heart to be filled with his love and you need to replace learn how to replace negative emotions with the and i believe these are emotions faith and love so that's number one number two uh, many years ago president Irene gave a talk called uh, pavilions i i can't remember the whole title of the talk but it was about pavilions that keep us 
uh, it's, it's referencing when Joseph Smith was in Liberty Jail, and he, he cries out, uh, Where art thou, and where is the pavilion that covereth thy hiding place? In other words, how come I can't feel your love? This is Joseph Smith crying out in his pain and agony and suffering in Liberty Jail in the middle of the winter and of 1838, 1839. And, and he cries out, Where is the pavilion that covereth thy hiding place? In other words, what pavilions do we have in our life that keep us from feeling the presence and love of God in our life, or, in other words, from feeling the Holy Ghost? Right. And President Iron gave a wonderful talk on that. And that talk was October 2012, um, and it is entitled, Where is the Pavilion? Thank you. I That talk, I still think about it and um, invite our readers to, you got to make a deep study of that sometime. So this is number two, remove the pavilions of selfish, inappropriate motives and prideful desires by replacing them with not my will, but thine be done. So, number one, in, we have to, we can't stop, but we have to replace inappropriate emotions. Number two, we have to, you can't stop, but you have to learn how to replace inappropriate motivations, motives, selfish motives by seeking the will of God and carrying it out. That's real faith, Scott. Yeah, and that's actually, we've, we, talk, we talk about that as part of the broken heart and contrite spirit. I right. mean, that is, that is the alignment or our having our will swallowed up with, with his or in his. And so that's, that's where we're finding that. Number three, in receiving the Holy Ghost, I, I refer to these as, as instruments of grace. Uh, number three is learn to use the instruments of grace which God has given us, including repentance. That's an instrument of how to receive grace in our life. Reading the scriptures, prayer, sacred art and music, ordinances, especially the sacrament and going to the temple, fasting, magnifying callings, and rendering service. I call those instruments of grace. And if we want to receive the Holy Ghost, we should use the instruments of grace which the Lord has offered us in receiving his Spirit. And we should really focus on that. I'm telling you, Scott, to prepare to give patriarchal blessings, I have to be careful what I what I look at, what I what I see, what I watch, I, I I can't watch commercials. I can't watch things that are inappropriate. It affects it affects me, and my ability to receive the Spirit for maybe only a few moments or a few hours, or if it's bad enough for a few days, or I have to I have to really be careful what I listen to, what music I listen to. These are all instruments of grace, and uh, if we want to receive the Spirit, we have to use the instruments of grace God has given us. Number four, we have to eliminate distractions and distortions from our life by learning to focus on Jesus Christ and His Atonement. So, I think part of this, Scott, is we need to become deprogrammed from some technology. I know there are so many things that are distractions in our world, and I know the blessings and the power and gifts and, and, and good things that come out of technology. But there is so much distraction and distortion in technology. And we need to learn to control that in our lives in order to receive the Spirit and gift of the Holy Ghost as our constant companion. Yeah. 
Dave, you talk about distraction and distortion, uh, and you know, in preparation for what we were going to talk about today, we did talk about this, and I asked you the question. I think I'm going to ask it again because if I wondered, I'm wondering if others may as well. Distraction, I think, is fairly easy for us to wrap our heads around. What do you mean by distortion? Well, all of the untruths, all of the lies in our life, not only that we hear or see, but the things I have taken into my life, such as false traditions, false practices, uh, false routines that take me away from the Spirit. Those are all distortions. Anything where it's... uh, Living and making a lie, anything that keeps us from the truth, yeah. is a is a distortion. So, uh, there's lots of little distractions, yeah, yeah, right, yeah. that that aren't necessarily evil, or are are um, are a lie. Lots of those we need to eliminate. Distortions as well, and. President Nelson talks about that. Did I re- did I read that? Did I share that with you? I don't you? think we read that. Part. Okay. Well, let me let me just find that really quickly here. He he says in here. Um, I I guess I added it. What does it What does it mean to overcome the world? And he and he responds to that que- his his own question by by saying, it means overcoming the temptation to care more about the things of this world than the things of God. It means trusting the doctrine of Christ more than the philosophies of men. It means delighting in truth, denouncing deception, and becoming humble followers of Jesus Christ. It means choosing to refrain from anything that drives the Spirit away. Well, I I love that, and I know that it's true that the deceptions and distortions. I think that's maybe those are maybe two synonyms. Yeah, hmm. we need to eliminate those deceptions, distortions, and even distractions yeah. from from our life. Yeah, those distractions can create deceptions and distortions a lot of times in our lives too. I Absolutely, mean, those distractions, if they own us enough, can definitely mold the way we see ourselves and others. And I think one of the biggest distortions, after we t- discussed that this morning, uh, one of the biggest distortions, that, and we dealt with this early in the podcast series, is how we see ourselves. One of the great uh, distortions that is happening among us now, perpetuate, perpetuated, propagated, obviously, by the enemy, is who are we? Who are we really? And that distortion, that, that single distortion alone can derail us permanently if we were to allow it. That's, it's huge. Identity is everything. Yeah. Identity is our eternity. Not only knowing who we are, but whose we are. Right. And that we've been purchased. Yep. Not only that we are literally sons and daughters of God, but that we have been purchased by Jesus Christ and that we are children of Christ as we have taken upon ourselves his name. Well, I think fifth and finally, for, because of time, there are probably many, many points of doctrine here that could be discussed about how to receive the Spirit be wonderful to have a discussion about this with all of our listeners. Oh, I'd love that. But fifth and finally is we need to learn how to listen and to receive revelation. I, I, I know that we don't spend enough time meditating and pondering upon the things of the Spirit. And we need to learn t- to know how by the Spirit to pray I, I've always uh, loved the Scripture in the Doctrine and Covenants in describing the gifts of the Spirit in Doctrine and Covenants, section 46. Uh, by the way, section 50 is also a wonderful revelation on about how to recognize the Spirit in our life, as well as Doctrine and Covenants, section 11, revelation given to Hiram Smith. But And, and maybe I'll end by reading a verse from section 11. But... In section 46, it, it says this at the end of this wonderful revelation on how to receive the gifts of the Spirit or the gifts of the Holy Ghost in its fullness. Verse 30 says, He that asketh in the Spirit asketh according to the will of God. Wherefore it is done, 
even as he asketh. And again, I say unto you, all things must be done in the name of Christ, whatsoever you do in the Spirit. And ye must give thanks unto God in the Spirit for whatsoever blessings ye are blessed with. And ye must practice virtue and holiness before me continually. I've always loved that uh, injunction and, and principle uh, it taught in uh, Doctrine and Covenants 46, verses 30 through 33, about how to receive the Spirit. We need to ask in the Spirit. We need to learn how to listen by the Spirit. We need to learn to ponder what is the will of God. What should I ask for? Learn to ask the right questions. Learn to... Words are important, and asking the right questions in our prayers is important in order to receive real revelation in our life. Uh, So many people want forgiveness of their sins, but they've never confessed them out loud in prayer, and they've never out loud pleaded and cried out out. for forgiveness. It's amazing to me how many have never done that. And uh, the sanctifying experience that can result from that. So I, I think it's just really critical that we, th- we ponder some of those principles about how to receive the spirit messenger of forgiveness uh, in our lives. And maybe, maybe I'll wait, because I think we're out of time, but I, I, maybe we'll talk next time then, Scott, more about how to recognize. We've talked today about how to receive the Holy Ghost, and much more could be said about that. But let's talk next time about how to better recognize that peace in our life, that joy in our life, and how to recognize revelation and the Holy Ghost in our life. I think <clears throat> I think that's a good that's a good plan. I think that's exactly what we will do. It's been a great podcast today though as we've talked about how to receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. And, and so important because as we talk about the atonement, remember our objective here is to help each of us to come more fully under the Savior through a deeper understanding and, and a real understanding of his atonement administered through the Holy Ghost. And as we understand better how to receive that spirit in our lives, as we understand better what peace means and why that's so important to us in our lives, I think that we begin then to have a better experience with the atonement of Jesus Christ as well. Dave, do you have any final uh, thoughts? I, I just, one, one more thing just comes to my mind, Scott. And as we, we'll talk more about this in detail, but as we partake of the sacrament every Sunday, we're act, actually uh, in the sacrament prayers. If we listen carefully and we, so we seek to apply those in our life. And it's not just a priest right. up there kneeling down saying the prayer, but it's actually a prayer that we're offering right. in our hearts as we listen carefully to the words. I mean, we really need to concentrate on the words of the sacrament prayers as they're being spoken by a 16- to 18-year-old priest. I, I think it's just really important that we feel it in our hearts as it's spoken we repeat it in our minds. Right. I was going to say that repeating it in our minds really helps us to stay laser focused with that. And in those prayers, it's a formula about how to receive his spirit to always be with us. So listen, study, focus on the sacrament prayers as we partake of it to know how to receive the Holy Ghost to always be with us as a constant companion. I think that's an important part of receiving yeah. the Holy Ghost. And, as well. and when we have that, then he fulfills one of his names, which is the comforter. We're comforted. We're comforted as we come more fully under unto him. We're comforted in the effects of uh, sin and the uh, fall of Adam and Eve in our lives, whether they be spiritual or physical death types of experience. Regardless of any of that, then we get to have the Spirit and feel his peace. We're justified we're sanctified, we're, we're forgiven. Thanks for being with us. Uh, we appreciate your listening and, again, invite you to invite others to do the same. Uh, please send us your experiences, your questions, 
and so forth. And as an invitation today, I I just want to ask each of us if we'll just take a minute and maybe do this each day and kind of assess. Uh, we, we talk so much in this podcast about personal inventories and taking an assessment or an inventory of where we currently are with certain things in our lives. We don't need to wait till Sunday. We don't need to wait till next conference. We don't need to wait till any big event. It is today that matters. Uh, I invite each of us to uh, get on our knees today to do a uh, inventory of where we are in terms of how do I receive the gift of the Holy Ghost or the Spirit of the Holy Ghost in my life so that I can feel the effects of the atonement in every aspect of my life is, uh, is our wish and desire for today. May you all have a great week. Remember that you have been redeemed through his blood and may God bless you. We'll see you next week.